We're in our series called Alter Ego, and um, I, I just have to tell you this. So last week, you know, we had wor- uh, family worship, had a great time, a lot of laughter, a lot of things going on. We had some guys come up on stage, and they were volunteers, and um, one of my dear friends decided that he liked one particular, remember the game was Cowboy Say What? And so he liked this one particular one. Here is his favorite one from that game. It's called the Scratching Rake. Is that on there? Yeah. Yeah, scratching rake. You remember what the scratching rake was in cowboy, in old time cowboy? It's a comb. You know who my friend is that really liked that one? Casey, the backup pastor, because I'm bald and he thinks I don't know that. So I walked out after church, you know, everybody's left. Casey and Sherry are getting in their car and he goes, hey, Doug. And he starts waving his hair in the wind. And I'm like, yeah, I'm bald. I get it. And I said, that was your favorite one, wasn't it? He goes, yeah. He likes that he has hair, yeah, and I don't. All right, I'm just going to move on. Um, We'll just move on. So we're talking about alter ego, and and what you really need to understand is throughout history, alter, A-L-T-A-R, stands for the place where God's people, the people of God, would make a sacrifice or an offering uh, that's on your listening guide. And so the challenge in these first three weeks of this series is to lay down our feelings. So the first week we said we're going to lay down feelings of inadequacy. You can't hold on to these feelings, what the world says you are. You cannot hold on to them and grab who God says you are at the same time. So we're going to talk about this place as an altar. Some of you grew up in churches where there was an altar call. We don't have an altar call. We are having one today because some of you need to bring your feelings and you need to lay them down at the altar. You can't can't be who God wants you to be as long as you're holding on to these feelings of inadequacy. Your heavenly father doesn't tell you you're inadequate. Your heavenly father says you're my child, you are loved, and with my spirit in you, you are more than adequate. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about the need to control, and we found out there's a lot of control freaks in this church. And we said that you can't be who God wants you to be if you're trying to control everything. And if you want to know whether you're in control, have children. That baby is not under your control. That two-year-old is not under your control. Try to get them to eat something they don't want to eat. You'll find out very quickly. You are not in control. In order to be who God wants us to be, we're going to have to lay down our need to control at the altar. Now today, we're going to talk about the right to be offended. How many of you are easily offended? Raise your hands. All right. How many of you are sitting next to someone who is easily offended? How many of you just offended the person who is easily offended? All right. Yes. Now, my, I just got to tell you, and if you've ever ridden in a car with me, you know that my quickest, now, Sherry is not ridden in a car when I, when I was driving, but I have ridden in a car when Sherry was driving. And um, wow, I'm talking about Sherry Fitzgerald. Um, it, it was one of the first times we knew them, and, and Janie and I are in the back hugging, and we were hugging, holding on, going, oh, dear God. Um, but um, anyway, j- there was some serious prayer. She increased my walk with God as we were going to a concert in, at, the, at the Oil Palace in, in Tyler. But my biggest struggle is when I get behind the wheel. Yes, okay, and I was just offended, but I'm not going to say anything to Jeff um, because we're talking about laying down our feelings, our right to be offended. So really one of my biggest deals is, is when you're in heavy traffic areas, right? Um, low speeds, lots of waiting. I love that. It is just so good for my walk with God. 
So let me, let me give you an example. That, now this, whether you know this not or not, this is happening more and more in, in Palestine. So like used to when you would come out of Office Depot, right, and you need to turn right, um, or El Toro, either one, they're the same thing, Office Depot, we don't have it anymore. <laughs> it, but you come out. What happens is the red light happens and people come up and all you punks just get bumper to bumper and you won't have any compassion on the person in the parking lot that needs to come out. Now, because Jesus is the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm actually being serious about this, I will pause and let people in because I'm like, what would Jesus do? He'd let this poor person in, right? Now, if I ever let you in, there are two things I require of you. Number one, move it. Get your butt in there because when I'm behind the wheel, my Christ-likeness has a time limit. And the worst thing in the world is for me to let you in and you make it through the red light and I don't. I mean, you make it through the green light and I don't. Oh, dear God, that's terrible. I shouldn't have been nice. But then the Lord will say, yes, you should. I'm protecting you. Okay, all right. So number one, get your butt in there. Move it. Number two. I need a slight acknowledgement of the favor that I just did to you. So you can do the, what's up? That's good, but I might not see it. So, so to be safe, do the, give me, give me just, you're awesome, dude. I mean, you're not saying that, but I'm, that's what I'm receiving. You're awesome, dude. Yes, I know. I just let you in, right? So the other day I was leaving downtown Palestine and I was coming out here to the church and I came to a four-way stop sign. And this, this, this old truck, I mean, like it, I think it was a Datsun, right? Before Nissan, it was a Datsun. So he pulls up, it's a beat-up truck and, and the, the windows are down and the dude has white hair and this big white beard. And so we pull up and, and actually he beats me by a half a second. And you know, I'm filled with the spirit. I really am that day. And so he beats me by a half a second. Well, I don't have any problem. If you beat me by half a second, you go first. So I said, come on, dude's got his arm out and he waves at me and says, thank you. And I said, even Santa Claus knows that you're supposed to acknowledge when someone does you a favor. And I went, this is universal. So then the next day, by the grace of God, I'm driving, I'd mowed a lawn and I have my, tra- uh, my trailer behind my truck and I'm coming down, you know, by AutoZone where you go by the old, by the, by the warehouse, Walmart warehouse. And there's this big honking truck pulls up and he beats me by a couple of seconds. And I'm like, well, I just better slow down because it's going to take homeboy a long time to get on down old Elkhart road. And so I just kind of mosey down and I slow and, and dude rolls down the wind and says, come on. And I said, you're awesome. And I pulled out in front of him. I said, this is universal. Okay, right. The reason I tell you this is because if you don't move your butt and you don't acknowledge my kindness to you, I will memorize your license plate and never, ever let you in again. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. And no, you have not been in the car with me. You don't know. Maybe a silly example, but here's what I'm betting. I'm betting that there is some area of your life where the enemy of God just pokes you and you get offended very easily. There's an area. If not, you are way too holy for New Life Community Church and just sit there and polish your halo and look smug at the rest of us, right? And then go somewhere else next week because you're way too holy for this church. All right. There was actually a guy one time um, who started coming to our church and it was awesome, you know. And then all of a sudden he stops coming to our church. 
And so a church member asked him, ran into him and said, hey, how come you don't come anymore? And he said, because Doug didn't say hi to me at Walmart. And as God is my witness, as God is my witness, I don't even remember seeing the dude at Walmart. Now, if you know me at all, I'm going to say hi, right? I may say, hey, I got to go, but I'm going to acknowledge you. But dude was looking for a reason to be offended. He was looking for a reason not to come to this church. So let's, let's kind of figure out what your issue is. How many of you are easily offended if someone doesn't text you back fast enough? Okay, we've got some hands going. <laughs> so here's the message you're sending. I'm so important that it doesn't matter what you're doing. You should take time out of your whatever you're doing and text me back, right? If not, I'm going to be offended. I'm amazed how easily Christians are offended. Can you believe they use that version of the Bible? Like the New Living Translation. Oh, no. It should only be King James. I actually, Casey grew up and I grew up in a, in a King James-only church. And, and we talked about those churches. Can you believe they're reading those? Can you believe they go to that church? By the way, you are in that church, right? So like when we started New Life, we started on a Saturday night. And, and Keith and Heather, Keith, you know, he's the longest tenured member now. Um, they came to our church, but they said, that church is weird. They meet on Saturday nights. They're a cult, right? So God worked in their heart, and they eventually joined our church about six months later. But on Saturday night, we just decided to do something different. Let's try something different. Let's try to reach a crowd that the regular churches, that ordinary churches are not reaching. So we met on Saturday night, 6 p.m. We, used to, we met where the Verizon building is now. It was Tammy's 57 Heaven, then it was Rounders, and then we were in there for about six or eight months before we moved to another building. And so we were trying to get people who wouldn't normally come to church. So we, we took out an ad and put it at the movie theater, right? And it said... It had this guy laying in bed and hitting his alarm clock, and it says, like sleeping in on Sundays? So do we. Join us 6 p.m. Saturday nights at New Life Community Church. Come worship with us on a Saturday night. Just We're trying to reach a crowd that nobody else is reaching. So there's this person that used to live in my neighborhood whose picture is in the dictionary next to easily offended, right? She's passed away now, and and I'm assuming she went to heaven. There's some debate. Um, But anyway, she was easily offended. So I'm in my front yard, and I'm digging, um, working on my sprinkler system, I think. This is years ago, right? So I'm getting old. It's fuzzy. But I remember I was all covered in dirt, and here comes this lady, and she's walking along, and I'm thinking, oh, no, because it's never good when she's walking in the neighborhood. She's, she's, we called her the chicken hawk because she was in everybody's business. And so she comes walking along, and I'm kind of digging. I'm thinking, maybe if I look busy, she's not going to say anything. Mr. Washburn. Actually, she called me Reverend Washburn. And I'm not making this up. The highest pitch voice you've ever heard in your life. Reverend Washburn. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, I am offended. And I'm like, well, <laughs> so what else is new? I didn't say that, but I was thinking, you're always offended. And she said, your church has an ad at the movie theater. And I said, yes, ma'am, we do. And she goes, how dare you make fun of the rest of the churches? And I said, what? As God is my witness, she said, we're trying to do everything we can to reach young people. And your church is keeping our church from reaching young people. Now, I'm sitting in the dirt. And and for some reason, the Lord didn't let me speak. But in my mind, I'm going, you are not doing everything to reach young people. In fact, I had about a list of 10 to 12 things their church was doing that repelled young people. But the Lord wouldn't let me say that. I wanted to so badly. And I thought, well, you're going to be offended no matter what I do. So I just said, well, you know, ma'am, we're trying to reach people that other churches don't reach. So 
Have a good day. Why is it we're so easily offended? It's because of our insecure egos. Right? This whole series is alter ego. I want to be who God says I am, not who anyone else says. Jeff reminded me back in youth ministry days that, that I said there's no such thing as self-esteem. You, you have two possibilities for esteem, either God esteem or others esteem. And, and this whole series about becoming who God says I am. See, our egos want to be right, but if I have to be right, that means someone else has to be If I win, that means someone else has to lose. Yes. (laughs) It's bad enough that that we're easily offended, but there's some people who look to be offended. They are on the lookout all the time, searching for things to go wrong. Some of us form friendships with groups of people, and the only thing we have in common is the things that we're offended about. And the only topic of conversation when those groups get together is how offended we are at all those other people who don't know the things that we know. Here's a dirty little secret. We're offended because it's all about us. Everything is about us. And so we've got to lay that ego down. The reason Jesus was confident was because he knew who he was in God's eyes, not in anyone else's eyes. Proverbs 19.11 says this, a person's discretion, I love that word, discretion, um, in the English standard version it says a person's good sense. So a person's discretion or good sense makes him slow to anger, which means if you don't have discretion, if you don't have good sense, then you're going to be quick to anger. A person's discretion or good sense makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Is our world known for overlooking an offense? No, we're in the cancel culture. It's out of control. And this word is kind of interesting. In the, in the Greek, it comes from two words. Overlook comes from two words, uh, uh, Hebrew, sorry, which means to pass over. Have you ever heard of that word, that term, Passover? We talk about it all the time here. It comes from when the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, and God sent 10 plagues to Pharaoh. Moses kept saying, let my people go, wouldn't, and they get to the 10th and last plague. And God sends his word through Moses and he says, you tell everybody, every one of the Jews, that they have to go get an innocent lamb, they have to kill that lamb, take some of its blood, paint it on the doorpost, on both side posts and on the top, and if they do that, the death angel is going to come tonight and the death angel will overlook the sins of the people in that house because an innocent third party has shed its blood and that blood is covering Right, So he would overlook. He would pass over. That's the idea. The over, to, to overlook means to rise above. It's the idea. If you're walking in your, your yard, and it's, let's say that it's lush like it is right now, all the rain that we've had, you're walking in your yard, and, and, and there's no bugs bothering you. There's no people bothering you. Do you concern yourself with that little ant that's crawling over here by itself when things are going right? No. You overlook it because you've risen above it. If you are at 30,000 feet on your way to Cancun, Mexico, are you worried about the fact that someone didn't let you out of El Toro parking lot onto Loop 256? God, I hope not. you got serious issues. My, my family talks about regular dad and vacation dad. You need to be vacation dad if that bothers you when you're on your way to Cancun. It means get some spiritual altitude. It means get your eyes on the Father, and then the petty things of this world won't bother you near so much. It's to your glory 
a man's glory, a woman's glory, to pass over, to overlook an offense, to rise above the offense. Why do we rarely rise above an offense? It's because our egos are damaged. So the Apostle Paul was writing, wrote the book Romans. He wrote almost half of the New Testament. And, and when he was writing to the church in Rome, Nero was actually the emperor. Nero was a horrible guy, very insecure. Um, he, Nero hated Christians and actually put Christians on crosses, lit them on fire to light up his garden parties. That's the type of government they were living under. And Paul writes these words to people who, who were being killed for their faith. He says, for by the grace given. Okay, so grace, I want to I just spend a second here. Grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. I want you to say that. God's riches at Christ's expense. So Paul says, God has done something for me and it cost Jesus his life. By the grace given. Now, it's not earned. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, given. Who gave it? Who gave it? Not a, not a trick question. God gave it. Now, how much grace did God give to Paul? A lot. Do you know Paul's occupation before he was uh, an apostle? He was a Christian exterminator. By that, I mean he killed Christians. His job was to go around and throw them in prison or have them killed. The very first stoning uh, with rocks of, of someone was when the, the deacon Stephen was stoned because he dared proclaim that Jesus Christ was standing at the right hand of the throne of God. They threw rocks, they killed him. And Paul, now Paul would never get his hands dirty, but Paul was over there watching the garments. Here, let me hold your garment so that you can go kill this man who dares say that Jesus is the son of God. So it's fair to say that God showed a lot of grace to Paul. So one day, Paul, with letters from the high priest, Acts 9.1 actually says, Paul was still breathing murderous, actually his name was Saul at this time, Saul was still breathing murderous threats against the followers of Jesus as he's on his way to Damascus. Jesus himself shows up. This blinding light from heaven happens. Blinding, I mean literally. Paul, Saul is blinded, and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, blind on his face, he says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus Christ, the one you are persecuting. Saul has this radical experience. He's blind for three days. They take him to this house, and he doesn't have a clue what's going on. Then God says to Ananias, another guy, he says, hey, I want you to go lay your hands on Saul and pray for him. He's blind. I'm going to make him well, and I'm going to use you to do it. And, and Ananias is like, uh, don't you know about the murderous threats? Don't you know who this guy is? And God's like, I have called him to be my apostle to the Gentiles. Go. So Paul goes. And then, then after all of this, he tries to go into churches, and he would never have been accepted in a church except Barnabas, the guy who's, it's actually a nickname. It means encourager, the son of encouragement. Barnabas says, hey, this guy's had a radical experience with Jesus. You should listen to him. So God showed grace. People showed grace. Do you want God to show grace to you? Do you want people to show grace to you? Yes or no? I just need to know. Yes, okay. Pay attention then. He says, for by... God's riches at Christ's expense, given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. Translation, stop being controlled by your ego. Stop it. It's not about you. If you were here last week, you saw our, um, our family worship, and when I had my boat up here, and it represented the church, right? And so I had Joseph McKinney and, and Alyssa, and uh, who else helped me? 
Lexi and, and Janie. So they're all sitting in here. You remember when I had Joseph stand up and say, it's all about me, a church member. And then I had all the kids do that. Y'all remember? Okay. All right. I thought I was the only one here. That's the typical church. It's all about me. He didn't sing my song. Grow up. I might not laugh in your face, but when you do that and then walk out, I might laugh behind your back. Come on. It's not about you. Stop acting out of your ego. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. Here's what this means. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't undervalue yourself. Don't overvalue, don't undervalue. Overvalued people sit on their pedestal and say, I'm better than you. Undervalued people grovel and say, you're right, I'm not worthy. So one of my favorite things years ago I read about it, it's this boys club. They started a boys club and they had, they had three rules. First rule was nobody act big. Second rule was nobody act small. Third rule was everybody act medium. I would love to be in a church where everybody act medium. Maybe we can be that church. Don't overvalue or undervalue. See, you compare yourself to Jesus. The Pharisees, Jesus told the story of a Pharisee who was at the altar. And his prayer was, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this tax collector. Oh, my goodness. The tax collector says was, was uneven willing to raise his hand to God, but he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, the tax collector went home justified not the holier-than-thou person. Stop acting out of your ego. When I compare my life with Jesus, I don't say you're not worthy. I say I'm not worthy. And it allows me to see you with different eyes and to treat you as my heavenly father so I can overlook an offense because I get spiritual altitude and I see you from his perspective, not mine. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment and according with the faith God has distributed. Even your belief, even your faith comes from God. God has distributed each of you. Because when I see Christ, I'm not so easily offended. When I understand grace, I receive grace. And I become a, a dispenser of grace. See, if I'm holding on to my right to be offended, I will not and I cannot offer you grace. Because grace comes from my heavenly father. And I have to have a moment, maybe a hundred moments, where I come back to the altar and I lay down my right to be offended. And I say, my sin put you on the cross. If my sin destroyed an innocent man, there's nothing someone can do to me that I cannot forgive. Through the power, which we sang about it, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. I'll look for opportunities to hand out grace, not judgment. But I have to come to the altar and exchange it. Ephesians 4.2 says, always be humble. And humble, we actually mean meekness. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Jesus was meek. He said, blessed are the meek. Moses was the most meek man on the face of the planet, and God used him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Always be humble. Meekness is, is strength under control. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So because of God's riches at Christ's expense, 
There's three things I want you to remember from today. Number one, because of God's grace, his, his riches at Christ's expense, I will give others the benefit of the doubt. Is it common to give people the benefit of the doubt? No, it's common to judge them. And here's, here's what's crazy. We usually judge others by our action. I mean, judge others by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Isn't that right? Because when I mess up, oh, well, it's because you did this to me. It's because this chain of events, I can't be held responsible for my own actions. I have a very dim view of people who blame others for their sin. I mean, I'm sorry, it's just the way I am. I have a black and white view of if it says it's wrong in here, it's wrong for every person in every generation for all time. Don't blame somebody else for your sin. We mess up and our hearts are messed up by others' horrible choices. And we say, well, see, I was late, so I was speeding, so I hit the water that splashed all over the baby. I'm not really a baby baby splasher. It's not my fault. See, if I give you the benefit of the doubt, when you're short with me, my first thought is, that's not like them. There must be something going on in their lives. Maybe their teenager is making incredibly destructive decisions. And their heart is in a thousand pieces. And the sad thing is, when that happened to us, people kicked us when we were down. Good Christian people kicked us when we were down. I don't even comprehend that. Maybe they just heard devastating news from a doctor. Maybe, maybe they're running behind and, and they're cutting you off and traffic isn't about you at all. It's just they're, they're late. They made a bad decision. Maybe their bad mood is not about you. Their PMS is not about you unless you ask them about it. And then it's all about you. I don't know why, Aaron, but I think you need to hear that today. I thought of you whenever I wrote that down after your answer last week about women and stuff. Don't, this is for you. Don't ever ask them about, and if you're experiencing PMS today, it is to your glory to overlook the offense of your pastor. Just quoting scripture. See, as a follower of Christ, I want to have thick skin and a soft heart, but usually we have thin skin and a hard heart. And I'll just tell you this, the hardest hearted people have the thinnest skin. The people who are, who are, in the midst of sin, have the thinnest skin. And some of them call themselves Christians. Some of them call themselves pastors and deacons and worship leaders. And they have the hardest heart. And where I first learned this, where I first heard this, and and I've heard it many times since, but the first time I heard this phrase was in Celebrate Recovery, and we say it all the time. Hurt people hurt people. Wounded people defend themselves. But when... I compare myself to Jesus and I receive grace from him, then it allows me to offer grace to someone else. It it allows me to gain spiritual altitude and I say, there's got to be some reason they're acting like this because it's not them. Because of God's grace, the grace given to me, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Number two, because of God's riches at Christ's expense, I will not label others. You got to be careful here. What if God labeled you? Right? I have pornography in my past. What if, what if that's what God called me? Wouldn't be fun, would it? Whatever your issue is. He doesn't label you that. I came across these, these memes on, on uh, Facebook, and I just thought they were pretty meaningful. Here's one. 
why you should be gentle with people. I don't know if you can see that real well, but someone's life is the big thing there, and what you know about it's this much. That's why you should be gentle, because you don't know. You are not God. Let me remind you of that. You are not God. You're not the Holy Spirit. You know very little. Here's another one. You know my name, not my story. You've heard what I've done, not what I've been through. I just got to tell you, when, when men open up, whether it's on Sunday morning or our Tuesday night group, when men open up and they share things about their past, it does not cause me to go, oh, no. It causes me to go, I need to draw close to you. I need to be a friend to you because of what you've been through. Here's the last one. I thought this was awesome. God, the devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin but calls you by your name. So here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 36 and 37. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So I'm not cussing, but here's what you need to do. You need to get your A-S, as, in gear. We need to have mercy as our Father is merciful to us. Do not judge and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn. You'll not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So be very careful when you say, my husband or my wife is, and you label them. When you do that, you're being like the enemy of God, not God the Father. My child is, be careful labeling. And the next one, I don't even care. My pastor is such a, just go ahead, I don't care. Because if you say those things, I'm going to come to the altar and I'm going to say, God, they said this, but I'm going to accept what you say, not what they say. God says, I don't call you by your sin. Why would you call others by their sin? One of my favorite stories about Janie's mom you know, I told you last week how, how those mean girls said some really horrible things to Janie. They scratched her truck. They rode on her truck. They were just incredibly mean. And then Janie goes off to college, and college is a totally different experience for her. But her daddy died when she was 19. And we weren't dating at that time. But I, I, I remember when she let me know that her daddy died. And, and I don't know everything that happened. She's told me a lot of stuff that happened. But she was kind of struggling with all of, the, all of the stuff. And she made some poor decisions. Her mom over and over would say, Janie, this is not who you are. She didn't call her by the bad decision she was making. She said, this is not who you are. And I asked her, I said, how'd that make you feel? And she said, tick me off. And I said, why? And she said, because she was right. Man, I, she said that to our children. This is not who you are. What you're doing, that's not who you are. And it's ticked off our children. But they know she's right. Because of God's grace through Jesus, I'm not going to label people. And because of God's riches at Christ's expense, I will forgive as I have been forgiven. Get your as in gear. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive. Okay, y'all help me out. Forgive who? Anyone who does what? Is there any wiggle room in that statement? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, here's the problem. Remember, here's the problem. When you don't forgive, you're not remembering. The Lord forgave you, so you, what's that word? Must. Is there any wiggle room? You must forgive others. Now, I know, I know you guys are smart, and I know some of you are going, okay, okay. Someone cuts me off in traffic. All right, I can overlook that. I can pass over that. Someone forgets to acknowledge that I let them in the flow of traffic. Okay, okay, I can overlook that. Shoot, I'll even pass over when the backup pastor makes fun of my bald head. I can pass over that. 
Those are easy. But you don't expect me to forgive the really big things, do you? Like when someone's been abused, you, you don't mean I have to forgive them. Or sometimes even more difficult, when someone you love has been abused, you don't mean I have to forgive the person who abused my loved one. What about when someone lies to me and it costs me everything? What about adultery? What about pornography? Those are the big ones. Are you saying I have to forgive those? Well, let's read what Jesus said and you tell me. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Yay! But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father, what are those two words? Will not. He chooses not to because your heart is hard. This verse is really troubling because how do you forgive abuse? How do you forgive someone in a position of power who abuses that power for their own gain and your detriment? How do you forgive someone who, who, who violates everything they've ever said to you? How do you forgive that? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.32, he says, Be kind and compassionate, and another translation says tenderhearted. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Here it is again, those words, just as. Just as what? In Christ God forgave you. The only way I'm ever able to pass over to overlook an offense is when I realize what Jesus did for me. I don't deserve forgiveness. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I remember what he did, and I remember that my sin caused him to die, be buried, and then God raised him from the dead. That's how I forgive others. I can overlook only because of the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to the doorposts of my heart. When that happens, I can pass over offense. So through the grace of God, I understand that hurt people hurt people. But here's, here's the awesome part. That's not the end of the story. If you go to Celebrate Recovery, this is not the end of the story. The awesome part is when a local church is working right, when Celebrate Recovery works right, forgiven people forgive people. Healed people forgive people because it's not about us, it's about him. I don't have a right to be offended. I'm not justified in my anger. There are some things we're supposed to get mad about. That's not what I'm talking about today. It's not about winning. Because of what Christ did, I'm honored to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm honored not to label them, and I'm honored to forgive others as I've been forgiven. Now, no one said it was easy. Dying on a cross wasn't easy. But it was the right thing to do, and your forgiveness is the right thing to do. So would you pray with me today? Father, we pray that today that your spirit would do something that we're incapable of doing in ourselves, that you would bring healing in our lives where there are offenses, and the healing comes through forgiveness. God, where we've been holding grudges by the grace you've given us, by God's riches at Christ's expense, we want to let them go. So I'm going to do something now. I want you to keep your heads bowed. But if you're easily offended, would you raise your hand? Okay, put those down. If you've been holding on to a grudge, would you raise your hand? Okay, put them down. If you're tired of holding on to a grudge and bitterness and anger and you want to lay them down 
at the altar of God, would you raise your hand? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're really serious about this, and you may not feel comfortable with this, but if you're serious about it, we need to move to the altar today. Somebody needs to move to the altar, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So without looking around, I mean, obviously, you can open your eyes. If you're moving to the altar, somebody come to the altar and lay down your offenses. If you don't want to come to the altar, but you really feel you need to lay something down, get on your knees right there where you are in your, in your seat. just so that we can uh, support the folks who are on their knees. I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody where you are to pray out loud with me, okay? Because we don't want to single out the people who are on their knees. But I'll say something, and I want everybody in the room to repeat it. God, my ego often gets the best of me. I'm easily offended. But I don't want to be that way anymore. God, I receive your grace. And I want to live in your grace. And I want to give your grace to others. Please forgive my sins. Help me to forgive those who sinned against me. Lord, beginning today, Help me to have a thick skin and a soft heart. God, I pray for those today who, are having, who have a significant deep offense, Lord, that the enemy of God is just pouring out uh, anger and bitterness and resentment and memories of everything that's been done to them. I pray, God, in this moment you would capture their hearts and their imaginations and they would see you seated on your throne, the Lamb of God who overcame death and the grave and who is now standing at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us. God, I pray that you would capture their hearts and their imaginations, allow them to see you, allow them to understand that this life is not all there is and we cannot know the truth of our situation until we've heard from you the life, the way, the truth, and the life. You're the only one. So God, give us life and allow us to do things we cannot do in our power so that others receive your grace and say there must be a God. And I want to know that God because of the grace you've given me. Help us to receive grace. Pass it on. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.